Hello, everybody. Uh, it's uh, welcome to the Brian Janikowski Market Update uh, webinar. Sorry, I was a bit late off the off the gun there, but uh, I hope everyone can uh, see the slides okay. And I think we've got um, a live video stream as well. So if I look like I'm distracted at any time, I apologize. I'm just looking up some uh, papers. Um, but uh, uh, you know, yeah, welcome uh, everybody who's tuning in. And today looks like a slightly better day after yesterday's um, sort of red-orange glow, Martian horizon uh, day. So I hope everyone's keeping well under these uh, difficult um, air conditions and everything else that we're going through right now. Okay, let's pop into the uh, to the first slide and really can talk about um, some of the market updates to uh, the election. I will preface this by saying that you know, every four years, we kind of systematically go through the election um, uh, sort of prognosis and you know, who's up and who's down and what it means. And, and generally, uh, it, it, it's kind of a big nothing. Um, you, you get some excitement in the run-up, but if you look up and, and maybe a little bit afterwards, but if you kind of look at the election years over time, you'll see that they make precious little difference, which is very counterintuitive, I know, but, uh, but I, I think it's because some of the big issues that can really affect the markets um, don't, um, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of the, um, the uh, parties are, are broadly agreed on those. Anyway, we'll cover that, but it's not going to be some, some earth shattering uh, news about you know the market's going to swing 20 30 percent in in one direction if if one or the other party gets get get gets in so um it, we will certainly continue to go through the exercises but you know certainly the last time around uh you know we we were surprised by the outcome but the market really didn't take a heck of a lot of notice about it anyway let's just jump right into uh the kind of summary of of what's going on um there is this recovery going on. Those of you who have read our blog have talked about this K recovery. I won't go in that today, but you know, but basically this is not a V-shaped recovery. This is a labor market which had a massive shock to the supply side of the economy um, and you know, to a level which uh, you know, nobody has experienced in their lifetime. It, it might have been the same as 1929. I don't know, but they weren't keeping labor records back then. Um, the labor market is going to be very, very slow to recover. You know, forget what you're hearing about, uh, you know, the claims numbers uh, coming down. Um, the non-farm payroll numbers last week came in at 1.3 million. There'll be lots of claims like this is the best month ever or this is the best since March or something like that. But they're coming from such a low base that uh, that they're not in any way, you know, getting us back to where we were. Um Nothing recently suggests big improvement. Um, we'll come onto that in a little bit, but uh, really we're just seeing um, the sort of ongoing ch changes um, and, and rather small improvements from uh, the uh, gradual uh, reopenings which are going on everywhere. So uh, the, everything's going to depend on the virus. We're kind of managing it for now. I think we've kind of stepped into a place, uh, and not just the US, but uh, globally, where it's... it's um, controlled containment. I don't think we'll ever see a, a, another big broad shutdown again. You know, I hope I'm, I, I hope I'm right on that. Um, but uh, I, I think what we'll, we'll continue to see is people managing it as best we can and, and changing behaviors quite substantially, which affects the economic uh, outlook for sure. The Fed is now uh, got an, an expanded mandate. I'll touch on that in a, in a little bit. But uh, you know, they are doing all they can to be uh, as 
accommodative as they possibly can. Uh, and again, this hasn't changed a heck of a lot in the last month since we spoke, except there was an important announcement by Chairman Powell at the virtual Jackson Hole uh, St. Louis Fed meeting in late August. Um, but in terms of their policy, they continue to be very accommodative, and I expect them to remain so for a you know, considerable amount of time. The stimulus, um, the big one is, you know, as all of you know, there has not been an agreement between the three branches uh, of, well, two branches of Congress and the White House on what the uh, new uh, stimulus should be. Uh, the last I read, I think the Republicans were down from, you know, a trillion to 300 billion, and the Democrats were still at three, and uh, I, I'm never really quite sure what the White House is doing. But um, but they're but they're kind of the executive order ones, which they came out about a month ago, have uh, have precious little impact. The expired benefits, which ran out on July 31st, are a big deal. Those are really going to impact people in the second quarter um, and uh, and going into the third quarter, unless that $600 amount is either partially or um, or in whole. Um, uh, replaced. Uh, I'll just touch on one item there. One of the executive orders that came out was that the uh, the employers could uh, not charge FICA. So the that's the essentially the unemployment and the social security benefits uh, for the remainder of the year, and then collect it back in January, which is a very very difficult thing for an employer to keep track of because essentially they kind of pay an employer employee more now, and then they've got to grab it back. Um, in the first you know, couple of months of three or four months of next year. So it's taking like a price hike, a, a pay hike now for a pay cut later. And um, it's been a really unclear on uh, how it's going to be uh, assessed. And it's meant to be for people less than $100,000. Um, and what would you do if people left the, uh, you know, left, left the company or, or otherwise changed their employment status? So it's been very full pickup, except for government employees in the military where it's been, uh, and the military, I think, is about two million people, but that went into effect this week. So uh, there'll be a slightly more, you know, pay increases there. But from what I've heard, you know, people are going to be very reluctant to spend it if they know they've got to they've got to uh, pay it back. So um, we'll, we'll we'll kind of see. But uh, the, the expired benefits um, are, are going to have a big deal on the economy, big effect. Recent improvements in the economy are real but slow. Uh, we've mentioned that housing and autos uh, have held up uh, or increased uh, very strongly. Retail sales seem to be on a rebound, which is good. But the big stuff, you know, the capital expenditure, which was already kind of in, in not great shape going into the year after all the trade disputes of last year, manufacturing and of course the trade side are all weak. And we had not a pretty disappointing trade numbers coming in from last week where essentially the trade deficit, uh, both for the entire United States and the bilateral one with China are pretty much unchanged over the last uh, year or so. So, um, you know, for, as a net benefit to the, the, the economy, trade is not, is, don't look to trade to be a big uh, uh, part of the recovery. Um, there is a massive increase in treasury debt, as you know, um, uh, that is being financed by the Fed largely for now. There is also a large demand for treasury debt. So that is not a source of worry. There are a lot of commentary about whether or not this is going to be some sort of inflation um, trigger some way down the road. I don't think it is. Uh, a lot of it, some of it is passing into the money supply, but a lot of it isn't, depending, depends on what kind of, uh, where they who they buy the debt from, from a primary dealer or a secondary market. But anyway, I don't think, uh, I, I'm just certainly not in this camp that it's going to be um, an inflationary uh, cause, um, um, uh, you know, now or, or even, uh, you know, going down the road. Um, 
so that is something which um, we, we can really kind of take off our, our plate about worrying about. Um, in terms of output level, the, uh, it, you know, the, the, the economy is, is operating what they call an output gap, you know, was capable of producing 100, actually, it's actually it was $21 trillion um, annualized and it's down to 19. So, um, you know, it's a pretty big gap between, uh, between what it was capable of operating at and what it's currently operating at. And that's gonna, that's gonna be around for a while. Um, unemployment, uh, you know, the employment numbers are looking very strange. I mean, we've got a sub 9% print, but it, it's, it's very weird the way people are classifying themselves as employed or not. Um, the, the big issue is that people are saying they're not in the workforce because they're on furlough, whereas, you know, they are unemployed um, and a furlough isn't always with payment. Um, so uh, the BLS says right on its front page last Friday that, you know, they're probably understating uh, unemployment by about 0.8%. I'd rather go with the U6 unemployment number, which is about 16%. And uh, uh, and then, as you'll see in a minute, you know, there's 30 million people on benefits. 30 million people is about uh, if 18 percent of the workforce. If they're on benefits, they're not working. So the, un the, the, the unemployment number is, um, is a nice headline, but it's not really improving nearly as much as it sounds like. The risk assets are obviously going to be very skittish between now and the election. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's there's going to be the to and fro of you know who's in the lead and who isn't. Um, plus, you know we've got some normal profit taking and some volatility going on in the market right now. The elections, I think, basically are a, you know a concern less about you know which side comes in, but how it gets there. I mean, how ugly does it get? You know, where do do we? I don't even want to go into the whole uh, disputed election scenario, but that could be pretty unpleasant. And um, you know, we had a a mild foretaste of it nearly 20 years ago, which was a lot less. Um, uh, contentious than today, um, and the market didn't have a good time between uh, the in the last couple of months of um, 2000. So that that could definitely be a, a time where uh, the market has some volatility. Let's just kind of go through some of the slides uh, quickly. Um, next one, uh, Debbie, can you get? Um, so here we are. This is the famous curve, uh, and there's the United States up at the top, not showing. A heck of a lot of improvement. Um, you know, Brazil's obviously another outlier where they've been unable to contain. Now, I haven't put cases here because there's this whole thing about, well, you test more, you get more cases, or, you know, there's there's lethality of cases. Seems like it might have gone down. Um, so maybe it's not a bit. But deaths are real, you know, and deaths, so you know, people die from COVID. I mean, there might be some misattribution of cause of death, but... It's probably you know you know data noise, uh, but you can see the United States is, um, is 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 not doing too well compared to um, you know other places. And Italy was one of the first to take one of the biggest hits, and you can see they're down to about you know seven or eight deaths uh, a day. So that's that's a big improvement, whereas we're still hovering up in the thousand side. So you know, look, the, my takeaway from this is that while you've still got this curve sort of essentially flattening out, you know level like that not coming down you're going to get you know continuation of of uh, you know local um lo local shutdowns you know schools not opening um you know restaurants still not operating at full capacity and so on next one these are some of the uh, things that the, the my the bottom one to look at here is top left hand side look at the deaths that's at the deaths in the u.s that's uh that's uh, you know down at the bottom, so a slight rise and then down again. Um, I think it's one of the log scales, so it's just under a thousand right now. 
the positivity rate from the test seems to be falling slowly. Um, that's the black slide. Um, I think I, I put in this uh, this students going back and this biker. Um, the Sturgis rally was held on 7th of um, August or something like that in North Dakota. And it was a week long. And, um, you know, studies just come out that they think there's about, there's a super spreader event. I don't know how many people went, but um, a lot. <laughs> I mean, hundreds of thousands. And, uh, and they think that the number of uh, cases that spread out of that might be about 250,000. So, um, and, and they kind of went to a lot of places all over the United States. So you can see the, the increase there uh, and they're kind of, you know, now falling. But I think that, uh, you know, not to point fingers at the bikers, but, um, you know, I think these kind of mass events are, are clearly what people don't want to uh, see happen. And, um, and in this case, it, it ended up spreading it around the country. And, um, and so those type of events are likely to be few and far between. Uh, and then some cases are, are uh, rising again in some some other states. We got the sort of you know, Arkansas, Delaware, and so on. But generally, you know, it's sort of like better than it was, not falling or improving as rapidly as it should. Okay, next one. Um, this is the, uh, the 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 Fed sort of massive injection to the money supply. They've I put this in just because they they're beginning to back off a little bit. They don't need to spend as much as they did. The, you know, initially they were in every single um, you know asset class you can think of, including buying bond ETFs. I think a lot of those markets have settled down. So now, um, you know, the, when they're purchasing bonds from non-dealers, this is what affects this money supply number. Um, you can see that it's you know it's it's gone from like an eighty percent year on year um, uh, increased annualized increase down to about thirty four percent. So it's not the Fed's deliberately withdrawing money, so they don't need to do as much uh, as they used as as they had to because a lot of these markets are you know under control and containment. Okay, next one. You can see that in the Fed's balance sheet, which uh, you know zoomed up. Um, those are the annual rates uh, at the weekly change, and annual rate is the black number. So it's, and so it's about 26%, and the annual change is about 76%, but then we're going from a much lower base. But you can see at the top there that those numbers are, those blue charts are slightly peeling off and the balance sheet's hovering around there at about 6.3 trillion. Obviously, you know, very big number. Got to remember, this was almost zero in a pre uh, the um, GFC in 2006. I think got up to about 3 trillion um, at the height of the QEs, QEs 1, 2, 3, and so on. Uh, so this is a big amount of firepower that was held by the Fed, by the by the Fed, and um, you know the, this the holding Treasury debt and mortgage-backed securities. So Fed is Fed is in there and uh, ready to buy. Um, they're buying at about an 80, 80 billion dollar a month rate right now. They, that could go up if they have to. Um, and so the Fed is uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's got everyone's back on this. Okay, next. It's going to show up here. You know, the Fed is going to keep rates low. I mean, you know, we're always looking at, you know, where do we go next in bonds? We've had a tremendous run-up in the price of, of bonds. And if you've been in a 10-year treasury this year, you've made about 10 or 11% flat out. But the yield's right down there at 70 basis points down at the bottom. Uh, and I think these are going to continue for, you know, for, for, for quite a while. Um, and if you kind of took this chart, Further back, you'd see that uh, you know they, they they had got almost this low at some point, uh, but you know if you take the really long chart, you'll see that uh, there's been you know a kind of big secular decline in interest rates. 
So what's the next step for the 10 year? Well, uh, I think the the range is going to be pretty tight between about 50 and 75 basis points, depending on the time of year. There, yes, there is a seasonal element to treasuries and, uh, and, and the auction sizes, but the treasury is not going to let this, uh, you know, move sharply up to one, one and a half, two percent. Um, it could go lower. I mean, if there's a big deflationary mess that comes out of uh, the next few months and we find the economy, you know, gets hit on the floor again, then you could see those treasury rates go to what the Japanese and the Germans have been going through for the last uh, few years, where it's, you know, 30, 20, 10, 15 and negative basis points. But for now, I think that we're kind of locked into that range of 50 to 70. Okay, next one. Let's turn up uh, to our attention to the claims market. So this, uh, today's number came out, um, this is last week. So I think it came out at slightly better, like 800,000, but, but I keep on writing about this. This is only people filing claims initially. And it doesn't include the, the people who are not eligible for claims. In other words, haven't worked in uh, full time or um, you know, for an employer that's been paying FICA. Uh, so a lot of self, uh, self-employed gig economy, gig economy workers who are filing under a completely different program, the PUA program. And that, those are running about the same level. So, uh, so 800,000 on the normal state claims, about another 800,000 on the PUA claims. And I, I wish the press would pick up on this because they're saying, you know, NPR said oh, they claimed to 800,000. It's like, yeah, but there's another eight, eight 900,000 people claiming on a, on, a, on a separate temporary program. So, you know, the claims numbers are not doing that well. I mean, yeah, they've come down from their height, but, you know, who wants to go into the, you know, fourth quarter economy if you're looking for a big bounce, uh, bounce up with, you know, eight, 900,000 of uh, initial claims, um, you know, every week, because uh, you remember that, you know, we came from 200,000 and the record before that was 600,000, 650,000 in May, 2009. So these are big ass numbers uh, and they're almost double what they what the headline is um, but you know I would say that at least that they're not um, you know spiking up um, so this is this is why I write about this every week because this is this is this is really sensitive to uh, what's going on in the jobs market okay let's look at the next one uh, this is the non-farm payroll so claims just one side of the job of the job markets where somebody says okay I'm no longer um, uh, uh, I'm no longer uh, working, so I'll file for unemployment benefits. And the non-farm payrolls is well, how many more jobs were, uh, were were created? This is a this is a graph with a very weird axis because, you know, normally we'd go along at about 150 to 200,000 uh, uh, new jobs a month. Um, sometimes it'd be a little bit less, sometimes a little bit more. But you obviously know you, it took it all the way down to 23 million um in uh, in may and then we've had you know a number of months where it's been uh you know uh, well last last month it was one 1.3 million slightly down on the month before uh, but these are um these are still lower than they should be and we and uh, i think the uh, the unemployment rate the headline there is 8.4 um and uh, i think the more likely rate is i mentioned earlier the, what they call the u6 which is the u3 is the headline one but the u6 measures people who are underemployed they typically say yeah i'm working 10 hours a week but i'd like to work 40 but i can't find a job and and that's a much better measure of uh, of labor market uh, slack and so that's about 14% so the bottom line is phew, this labor market just like i said at the beginning kind of very slow to recover um the next one 
the other thing that's happening, which uh, I get a little bit concerned about, is permanent job losses. So there are permanent, there's a temporary job loss, which we all know about. You know, we don't need you right now, but check back in a month. Uh, you know, business might be better or, you know, the plant will reopen. But a permanent job loss happens when the company shuts down or the plant shuts down or the head office shuts down or you know, something, you know, it's gone. Uh, and... Um, these uh, are now up to about 3.4 million. There's quite a jump there uh, last last week, actually, when it jumped it by about a million, and it's about two percent of the of the labour force. Now, again, not as high as uh, 08, 09, because you'll see that up there it was like four, four and a half percent. That's because a lot of financials just permanently reduced their uh, their workforces. Uh, I mean, you know, the big banks, if they employed. 200,000, they came down to 150,000. They took people off their trading desks or their mortgage originations desks and said those jobs were not getting back into that business. But uh, so it's certainly not as bad as it is there, but you have to worry about the number of permanent job losers because that means that uh, you know, people's, people's skills atrophy, they lose connection with the labor market. And if they're not, if they've got both of those things then they're not consuming and that's going to be, you know, a harder number for the, uh, for, for the economy to recover. So again, all looking at employment, next slide. Um, because, uh, you know, this is what drives the economy. We, so as everyone knows, we're like 60, 70% a consumer driven economy. The rest is trade and CapEx and government and, uh, um, uh, you know, sort of, uh, other non-consumer related uh, parts of the business infrastructure and so on. But, uh, you know, the, the U S economy motors along when there's consumers and consumers need to be paid and consumers need to be feel confident about their outlook and they won't feel confident if they feel that the job market is very precarious for them. GDP numbers are going to come swinging back. Um, we obviously took that enormous hit. Here's another graph, which, you know, uh, basically the average took it back to 2005. We've never really broached 2% GDP consistently. You'll see some numbers which are higher than there. That's usually some consumption brought forward for a tax change or something like that. Um, you can see it most clearly when the corporate corporate tax in 2018 came on came on stream. We had a 3.9% print, and then it promptly just you know went back to its normal rate of 1.3. So for the year, you know, it was up maybe 2.8%, nothing like the three three and a half the guys were claiming. Um, so that's normally you know, we were good for sort of a two and a half, two two and a half, occasionally a three percent uh, quarter uh, GDP. Bam, goes down to minus five, and then minus 31 annualized doesn't mean the economy is 31 percent smaller uh this is annualized it divided by four roughly we're about eight to ten percent uh smaller it's got a long way to go up as you know the kind of inverse of this is a 31 percent if you have 31 percent fall which you've got down there you you know 31 percent gain doesn't get you back to break even you need quite a bit more than that so we got Estimates this quarter, those two are on the right-hand side are estimates for what we're going through now, third and fourth quarter, 21 per six and, and 6.8. I, I, I think they might get that. They might, you know, might be um, overstating a little bit just how much the labor market's coming back. So, but we'll definitely see a big bounce. But when you hear about, you know, a record GDP, you go, yeah, it's a record GDP, but we just had, you know, a massive, massive decline. So, um, we ain't quite back to where we started, but um, you know, just just be braced for those headlines and just treat them with the uh, caution, uh, which um, which you would which you would for any kind of a, a, a reporter. Okay, next one. Um, 
I'm going to skip over. This is basically just talking about the, uh, the, the employment ratio, which is, which has fallen down. And then we've just seen participation obviously drop off. It's interesting to look at it by age groups. So um, the one you want to probably look at is the, uh, the, 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 um, the one which is in the sort of 25 to 34 and 35 to 44, basically all, all those lines, except for the one, which is the, uh, um, the one for 55 years and over. So yeah, participation is falling. Um, and if you kind of burrow into that, you'll see that, you know, younger people's participation has fallen more than the average. Uh, women's participation has fallen more than the average. Um, so this is, this is people taking themselves out of the labor force, uh, you know, probably not by choice. So, um, so we've got to have to watch for this because, uh, you know, labor force uh, was already declining for, you know, for demographic reasons. Uh, and this is obviously going to accelerate and we want to see that that stuff come back. Okay. Let's look at uh, how about the labor force, which is, I spent a lot of time on, but it's so important to, uh, to consumer confidence. This is just what's going on. Uh, actually, uh, that's from June. Let's go to the new one, September, which is the next one. Uh, the, the, a lot, lot of economic data is, is, is backward looking, like, you know, so, and this is so current that we're kind of looking for indicators of, you know, what's going on in the economy on a kind of a now basis. So we, there's a number of people have put out these proxies, which I think are quite helpful. So at the bottom left, you can see TSA checkpoints, you know, it, it it, it obviously went to zero. You can see it's sort of uh, increased and it stayed pretty flat. Uh, the next one on the left, no, there isn't a slide missing. It's basically showing uh, um, restaurant bookings in those various different states, and they literally went to zero. They, I mean, that, that's measured on 100%. So they fell by 100%. They closed. Uh, and, they're, and they're slightly coming back. Uh, there's a few dips over there, you know, on the far right-hand side, uh, but that's pretty current, but th th that's, that, that's encouraging. Um, then we've got the number of uh, flights tracked. Um, and again, uh, the, the, the top four lines uh, are what was going on in prior years. And the bottom line is kind of where we are now. Uh, and again, it's getting closer to that. The, the, these, are, these are global. Uh, flights and they're both commercial and and uh, and passengers so they're getting better not in the u.s but um but in other places the uh, the number of um flights being tracked is 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 improving pretty well although as you can see from that little dip it's um it's certainly by no means uh you know a straight up line and the far, last one is just hotel occupancy which rather like bookings you know went went pretty darn close to to zero i've left the scale out of that Sorry about that, but I think it's uh, the bottom. It was about 20% hotel occupancy, and hotels normally run at about 80%. So they're still quite a ways below what they would normally be. So, yeah, again, the, the story is uh, you know getting better. Not a straight up number, not consistently better. Better than better than the depths for sure, uh, but not a sort of a nice tick upwards which you'd expect or would hope for. Um, so we just got to be patient on this. Okay, next one. Um, again, uh, just to quickly talk about inflation because there's some weird things going on with the inflation numbers right now. Some things like uh, used cars prices are going up uh, because there's people who are saying I'm done with public transport or they've moved out to the suburbs or something like that. And at the margin, the, 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 the demand for some of those things has gone up. So some foodstuffs, so some oil and so some gasoline just because, you know, we were down to $20 a barrel. And now we're at 35, 40. But but 
this is what the Fed looks at. And you can see that, uh, you know, we're really kind of nowhere with the, uh, with the uh, inflation target. So um, we're, we're running consistently below uh, 2%. So I always bring this one up. I know it's a long-term chart, but it's very difficult to bring out, you know, high inflation with this economy. Um, the, the, the sooner, it's not going to happen on the wages side for sure. Uh, so it's very difficult. So the only way you get price inflation if people start reducing their savings. Um, but the otherwise, uh, I think inflation is, is a non-issue, um, and um, I think likely likely remain that way. Okay, next one. Um, the other thing that's happening with the uh, with with the uh, consumer again, we, uh, there are things we have to worry about them. You know, the uh, certainly the the labour, the employment side, their their ability to go out and consume, but they're not indebted. And this is a big difference from 2008, 2009. So you can see that they actually reduced, this is re revolving credit card debt um, and non-revolving. So credit card debt is revolving, non-revolving is might be an auto loan or something like that. But they're way below what they were um, in, uh, in 2008, 2009. You can see that from the percentage change, just monthly percentage change. So they were running at, uh, in a final four four percent a month change back in 08 09 where people were just going crazy with debt um this is not now we're down to 0.3 uh and we had a couple of uh months you can see in the top blue line where people actually just 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 uh, paid down their debt so um so this is not a heavily debted in consumer which is good so, because if they were then we'd be looking at a, a lot more concerns about bank loans, we'd, we'd be concerned about, you know, people's future ability to, uh, you know, get get credit um, and and be able to start uh, buying again. But right now, this is this is not a this is not a recession, which is um, which is going to bankrupt uh, a lot of consumers. Um, and that's a good thing. So um, so that I think a lot of people were burnt after 2008, 2009. Okay, uh, next one. Um, consumer confidence. You can j just look at the lines there over on the right hand side. They're all kind of come down quite a bit. Uh, this just kind of measures everybody on the blue line and, and the under 35s were you know, finally kind of getting a little bit more confident, um, you know, and they and they've fallen quite a bit just because, you know, in percentage terms, that was probably the biggest hit in the age cohort. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. People are not overly confident about uh, being able to keep their jobs and probably deferring big purchases and so on. It's no, no big surprise there. But um, uh, we all need that to happen before this economy really starts moving along. Next couple of I next couple of slides is very touch on two areas which are doing well. So this is the auto side. Uh, they've come back pretty quickly. So the blue line is you know where you add in trucks. Everything's a truck. Everything from a Honda Fit F one fifty. Honda RAV4 and CRV, all these guys are trucks. Don't ask me why, but that's 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 just kind of the way they're designated in order to get past very old uh, trade uh, regulations. And then the cars are your kind of you know your Honda Civic on four wheels and your Corollas and things like that. Big yeah, decline down here is because people are not buying cars; they're buying more you know you know um, four wheel drive sport utility vehicles and that kind of stuff but basically uh you can see that there's a nice snapback on the v with the blue line so uh yeah down from its peak but uh, you know went down to nine million vehicles uh on an annualized basis and now it's back up to 15 so this area is doing well as well um again people um who uh, are changing their commute patterns or don't want to be on public transport go out and buy a car 
Um, also the average age for a car buyer, I think is about 51, 52. So this is not an age group, which is, um, which is overly affected by the, uh, the recession and, and job losses. It's the younger people who are. And next one, pretty much the same going on in the housing as well. Again, the average age for a, uh, for a buyer of a house is like 47. The, the average age for the first time buyer is about 38, used to be about 32. So um, these are new home sales and you can see they've recovered pretty darn well. I mean, they went down from about 600. They snapped back very, very quickly, you know, almost you know, to a 10, 11 year high. Um, we're still not building as many houses as we need for the population. Um, so this again is, um, you know, a part of the market where people are uh, either moving, you know, moving out of the cities, deciding they want to pay rent anymore. And there's, uh, that you know that they're, they're buying up uh, new 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 properties, and these are both houses and multifamily units as well. So that is a good indication. So different parts of the economy doing well. Consumer uh, obviously under quite a bit of stress, but their new home sales um, and and housing generally and auto doing well. And home sales home is very important because uh, you know the biggest single source of wealth for for nearly every American you know on average is is their house. So if they're feeling that they've got a house and even if they net off the mortgage against it, that that seems to be doing well and price house prices are holding up in some places going up quite, quite, quite strongly. Uh, that's going to help the, uh, the confidence factor, which is not so good from the uh, labor, labor confidence side. Okay. Next one. So, uh, yeah, I thought I'd put this in. I mentioned in the blog the other day, this is kind of shows, you know, uh, the S&P in election years and sometimes the market goes up and sometimes the market goes down on average. It goes up about 7% on average goes down about, um, sorry, the average gain over that period is about seven or 8% and then the average up years about 12 or 13 and average down years about um, 11 or 12. The trouble is that these numbers are exactly the same for you know, every other year as well. So uh, there isn't a lot to say here. Um, I, I think it's other factors, obviously 2008, uh, it, uh, you know, the, you'll remember that election. I mean, it was, it was uh, that there, there was just um, just all hell was breaking loose on the on the mortgage and the financial side. It, it didn't, you know, the, the election was almost a sideshow as far as the stock market was concerned. Um, so there, are, the point about this is there really are other factors which are going to affect uh, the market, um, and uh, I think that's that they're going to be um, you know more important as uh, as as we go forward than than just the fact we've got an election yet. Okay, next one. Uh, the, I'm just reading for a piece of paper here. I thought I had it. Um, yeah, I, I, I just made some notes on the Biden stuff. I'll, try, I'll, I'll just try and uh, remember it. Um, uh, it's really the last slide, but we don't need to go back to it. So the thing I think about the, the Biden, uh, if, 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 if Biden gets in, then I think almost inevitably corporation tax will go up. Um, now, remember, it went from 35 to 21. And the talk is that it'll go from 21 to 28. But the effective tax rate for the S&P 500 is much, much lower than that. The top five, you know, uh, um, the, the Apple, Google, Facebook guys, they're paying tax rates of about 13%. So 13 versus uh, 21. So um, th these guys are not really affected by a big change in the corporation tax. The only companies paying anywhere near the maximum are all domestically owned or domestically operated they've got no place to push their profits overseas uh or they're not doing a lot of capex um 
you know, so so it's it's very few companies are paying anything close to the not to the highest uh, corporate corporate tax rate. Um, the effective tax rate for the S and P right now, I think, is about sixteen seventeen. So let's just give it the benefit of the doubt and say it goes up about five percent. Um, so that 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 could be a direct hit to earnings, if not, you know, all things being equal, of about five percent. I think the market will adjust to that pretty quickly. The other one is the income tax level, you know, going from whatever it is, 36 now to 39%. But uh, I don't, we didn't see a huge benefit to the economy when it went down that way. Why? Because most people who are in that bracket tend not to be big, um, to have very low marginal uh, propensity to consume. So if you're in that kind of ta tax bracket, uh, you tend not to take your full 3% tax benefit and go out and spend it. You tend to sort of save it. And I think exactly the same will happen the other way. I don't, I don't think there'll be some, you know, some complaining and moaning about it, but I don't think it's going to have much of an effect on the economy. It's the only thing I'm interested in, not the, um, you know, not, not, not the sort of personal side of whether we should be paying taxes more or not. Um, and so I don't think that will have a big effect. And then there's some talk about um, uh, capital gains tax being increased for people with uh, over a million dollars in income. Again, uh, the number of people who are affected by this is, uh, you know, at tops, uh, less than a million, you know, out of, uh, out of 150 million taxpayers. So um, I don't think it's going to have a big effect on the market. Um, healthcare, I think, obviously, that's, you know, we're so far away from the kind of Warren Saunders con uh, uh, healthcare policies that the health, health sector has bounced back very strongly. Uh, I don't think they're going to be particularly concerned about what you know what might come from a, a Biden uh, um, policy uh, I might be wrong but you know it would show up it wouldn't show up in the drug or pharma um, or device companies quite yes or hospital management company it would show up in the insurance companies the you know Humana's and Aetna's of the world well that's not public anymore but you know but um, CVS who owns them uh, I can't remember the other one Cigna place like that and they've done they've done uh, they've done fine recently so I don't think the market's particularly concerned about that. And on the on the plus side, you know, I think uh, I think we'd get more of a policy around COVID. Um, you know, it might not be any better, but I think you know what we're lacking right now is a kind of national, economic, federally directed national policy on COVID. I mean, it's down to the states, um, and I think there probably would be one which would give people um, a little bit more uh, incentive for optimism, and then and any expenses around infrastructure and healthcare are likely to be far more targeted than just the tax breaks that we've had the last couple of years. So that's kind of my quick take on the Biden uh, um, uh, election. But as I said earlier, I think it's less about what he's going to do and when he gets in, and more how the election is going to be uh, played out over the next few months. Um, this is the S and P. Uh, I'd like to show this one just because uh, we've had a you know, a lot of volatility over there on the right-hand side with the S&P. But earnings, you know, are down from a peak of about $143 a share for the entire S&P down to 121. So that's about a 15% decline. That's quite big, uh, but it's not, you know, nearly as big as the, uh, as, as the price changes. And dividends have held up uh, pretty well. There, there are some cuts for sure, particularly amongst the financials, but, um, you know, we're not looking at... Uh, you know, 20, 30% cuts in dividends, they've held up pretty well. And that's important in this market where uh, the, the, the S&P is right now on a yield of about 1.8%. So that makes it quite attractive relative to other asset classes. Okay, next one. Yeah, I uh, kind of refreshed this one. Uh, we've had a, a kind of a stock market where it has been pretty top heavy. I think everyone has recognized that. If you, you know, if you 
the top five, which I've already mentioned, there they are uh, since January, up 46%. Um, yeah, they're down from up 60%, but that, you know, that's a correction which takes you back four or five weeks. That's hardly worth uh, the, the, you know, the definition of correction. I don't know what the correct price is for these stocks are, but they generate boatloads of money. They're, they're kind of operating as quasi-utilities uh, monopolies, and they don't seem to be, uh, um, no one seems to be too bothered about that. They might have some more legislation uh, pointed at them, but it's going to be a, you know, a slow run. These are huge cash-generating machines. Um, they're a little bit expensive, but they're not as expensive as they had been in the past. And um, I think it's sort of somewhat justified that they've had this big run. But then you take the next step down and the S&P 500 is up about 5%. Uh, obviously, we could have a day or two where it's different from that. And the large companies, which include the top five, are up doing better than that. And it's the small and mid caps, which are you know, picked up nicely in July, but since then they've kind of stalled and that makes total sense because small and mid cap are much more tied to the economy. So everything we've discussed with the economy, whether it's the labor market or the GDP numbers or what's going on in CapEx and FedEx and CapEx and uh, trade um, uh, manufacturing, um, all, all these have shown, you know, better increases, but have slightly plateaued over the last couple of months. Okay, over the last six weeks, actually. Um, also, we've just you know, we've seen this huge uh, disparity. The, the the here I've taken the, um, the 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 tech and consumer sectors. So we pick up, you know, obviously the tech companies, but also the WalMarts and the dollar stores and Amazon and Netflix, which are in the consumer area. And we've just plugged them against the uh, energy and financials, which are in pretty bad shape. Um, they they've leveled off the last couple of months, but uh, they're going to take a long time to get back to that. And uh, um, so we've, we've seen this kind of disparity in the market between the best performing sectors and the worst performing sectors. Okay, next one. Yeah, generally, the, the, the S&P has become more of a growthy type of market. These are, the, these are what I would call the defensive sectors. You know, so they're, like, they're only about 12% of the, of the market now. So the defensive sectors were because we at the top, light, top left, you know, it's all the consumer staples, so the Procter & Gamble's of the world, the utilities, the Duke Energies of the world, and the wireless telecom, it's the kind of AT&T and Verizon's of the world. These used to be sort of kind of classic defensive stocks, and they had a, you know, a pretty good run uh, going into 07, 08. They tend to do pretty well in a market um, scare. They did okay in 2019. Um, but they're and they're okay, but they're just a they're just a small part of the market right now. They used to be, you know, a third of the market over there on the left hand side. They're much smaller now. Why? Because there's just a lot of these guys have been taken out, or they've gone smaller, or uh, they haven't performed very well, like a like a Heinz, or um, uh, or it's just got the top guys have just been moving ahead far more quickly. So you know, the U.S. market has got fewer defensive sectors than it used to, um, and so we've got to be aware of that when we make uh, equity allocation choices. Okay, last one. I think, um, yes, so it's kind of through the wrap up. I think in US large caps will remain in focus. Um, they, you know, the, 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 the tech side is just doing very well. We'll probably have continued, you know, good, strong numbers coming out of the big five. Uh, I mean, is it Apple's going to ship, I don't know how many, 70 million new handsets this in the fourth quarter or something. Um, people like their services businesses. These, these, these are guys who are, which are, 
you know, they're going through a recession, but, you know, it's a very growth recession for them. Um, and, you know, the marginal cost of, you know, of, of, of adding new clients or new businesses for someone like a Facebook or a Google or even a Microsoft and its cloud business is, is zero. So, you know, it just falls right down to the bottom line. There aren't a lot of businesses that do that. International, I think, will start to benefit partly from the lower dollar, but, you know, the trade issues, uh, you know, China is come back very strongly on trade. Uh, the US, not so much, but I think some of the um, you know, European companies will benefit from that. Worried about these permanent job losses uh, increasing, we'll keep an eye on that. Definitely gonna see rates low because the Fed and every other central bank is on full ease mode. Um, the income replacement really depends on the next uh, round of fiscal support, which seems to be tied up right now. I think if it's, it, I doubt that it's gonna get done uh, in the next few weeks, it seems like the you know, the three groups are pretty far apart. Um, so if it doesn't, then you're looking at January, February, and you're going to see a hit to personal income um, going on with that with the withdrawal of that $600 a month uh, stimulus, which is going to which is going to start to bite uh, in the next few weeks. Um, but that has implication for rents if you're sort of owning not so great real estate with with um, with rents where um, uh, they've got small businesses uh, or individuals, you know, where, where rents might be um, uh, withheld or, or in forbearance and spending. But it, does, it, it won't, I think, uh, affect a lot of foreclosures. And uh, we don't have um, a lot of high credit card debt, which is, which is very important. So, um, again, because the consumer is not financially stressed uh, at the moment. Whole thing depends on reopening. Seems like it's obvious, but every time... You know, we get a little bit of an opening, another school district opens up or half opens up, all that helps enormously. Uh, obviously, the, the sectors which are you know, big into mass grouping are, you know, so the leisure industry, you know, hotels, concerts, you know, the list uh, are going to be under some stress. But other parts of the economy are, uh, are, are coming back, you know, slowly but surely. I think uh, on the portfolio side, you know, we're still in treasuries because, boy, we got a week like last week and the treasuries rally. And we're not quite through that hump yet of, uh, of, being a, of feeling that the market could, you know, could, have some, could have some hiccups. And we continue to use the, the buffer notes um, and we continue to be in, um, in things like uh, our, our very high quality bond portfolio, which has uh, which got some very, very strong credit standing behind it. But I think, uh, you know, bottom line is the elections going to be a little fraught. I, I would be surprised if we have a smooth ride between here and November. So um, on any one day, it might look a little ugly, but I think we'll get through the other side of it. The underlying economy is slowly improving. Look, thanks very much for your patience. Gosh, I, I feel like I've um, gone through this quickly, but also tied up a lot of your time. Um, I don't know if we have any questions that you'd like to uh, throw in here? I think we have a question system. Um, and it looks like I'm getting the, uh, the sign that I think we're, we're all set. So again, if anything comes, uh, comes into the, uh, come to mind and you want to sort of like uh, ask any questions, I'm happy to take them. Seathwaite's at BNJ Advisors or just go on our website and there's there's some contact email addresses. We're happy to do it. Um, uh, and thanks again for joining us. Okay, I am going to read the disclosures. So I know everybody likes this bit. So here we go. 
this discussion of the investment investment strategy research investment process of Brian Janikowski LLC of the date indicated or as of the day of this presentation, subject to change without notice. Chancellor and Australians found this presentation may be updated periodically. We have no obligation to provide revised assessments in the event of changed circumstances. We can assure that the types of investors mentioned in this presentation will be produced through intended results or outperform any other investments in the future. We reserve the right to change our investment perspective and outlook without notice as market conditions take these additional information becomes available. The investigation does not protect an investor from market rise risk and does not ensure profit. The information is subject to unintentional errors, omissions, changes without notice. While we gather this information from sources we believe to be reliable, we cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any statements numerically later in the presentation. Reference to individual security should be not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell that security. The security is noted in this presentation only several of the successful and unsuccessful investments by John Nicosi do not represent all the securities we have purchased, sold or recommended in extra returns include reinvested dividends and interest, but do not reflect uh, commissions or transactions around mutual fund returns, include reinvested dividends, capital gains distribution, mutual fund returns, and fund expenses, however, do not reflect brown donor customers' fees. Please read the perspectives carefully before investing or sending money past forms no guarantee of future results. We may reference various hypothetical investment illustrations. These are illustration purposes only and not for an investment recommendation. Do not guarantee indication or future results. Thank you.